0: Hello and welcome to our very first podcast. Today we are sitting down with two staff members of the Long-Term Care Home, Idlewood Manor, Alex and Glynnis, and we will be going over the importance of volunteers at such homes, the experiences volunteers may have, the skills they may build, and also we'll be providing you with information on how to apply to be a volunteer if you are interested. As well, make sure to check out our resources page for further information. (laughs)
1: Good morning. My name is Glennis, and I'm the manager for the Recreation and Volunteer Department here. I've been here for over 10 years now. Um, I actually started here as a student many many years ago and then was hired as a part-time then full-time in the Recreation Department and then moved into management here. Um, I'll pass it over to Alex. and
2: Hi, my name is Alex Medjavar, um, Facilities Manager or Maintenance Supervisor. Started here as a PSW, as a student too, then moved into maintenance, and now I'm into management. So, yeah.
0: Thank you for sharing. Now we would like to ask about your organization. Mm-hmm. So, if you could give an overview of the home, um, the people that come here, and what services you provide to them.
1: We have a rich history and have been around for over 150 years in the community. Originally, we started as a soup kitchen on on John Street in 1846, then uh, changed to the Hamilton Orphan Asylum, and eventually opened the Aged Women Home. And in 2004, the name was changed to Odwald Manor, and this home was built for 192 residents, which included men and women, as before it was only for women. And then in June of last year, in 2018, we integrated with the Thrive Group, Um, And The Thrive Group is a not-for-profit organization that provides back office support to us and other organizations uh, such as information technology, human resources, financial and strategic leadership services uh, which assist us to maximize resources, reduce costs and allow more operating funds to be directed to resident care. The Thrive Group organizations currently comprise of ABLE Living Services. St. Peter's Residence at Shadok, which is just around the corner from us here, and Capability Support Services. So as part of the, the Thrive Group team, we continue to focus on enhancing services to our residents and the community while working to develop new and innovative ways of meeting current and future demands. Uh, so this is a very exciting time for, for our home and for our residents and families here. So, in regards to partnerships
0: within the community, what healthcare organizations or professionals work with long-term care homes such as this one?
1: So, the ones that we partner with and stuff. So, um, we there's some of them are community living and stuff that they provide support to. It's more of a community-based program, mm-hmm. um, and then St. Peter's is also a long-term care home. Mm-hmm. There's other smaller agencies that they work with that that we don't work. As much with, mm-hmm. um, but we're hoping to eventually make that link and stuff. Yeah.
2: So we have like BSO. Um, we have Mohawk McMaster students come in um, from all different uh, disciplines. I guess. Mm-hmm. At times, sometimes you get nurses. Sometimes right. you have.
1: Um, rec students. Rec
2: students. Um, mm-hmm.
1: We have physio.
2: All all different disciplines, pretty much.
1: Mm-hmm. Pretty much anyone that's interested or wanting to learn about long-term care or just wanting to see what's out there, mm-hmm. we welcome. Uh, because you never know. I mean, when I started this, I didn't really think I'd ever be in long-term care. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't have the patience for it, or at least that's what I was told.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> and then I ended up here. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's a good opportunity for you to come kind of see what, what is here, and you never know, you might actually find a, a true passion for long-term care, which is what we're always looking for so you mentioned patience
0: as a skill is it something that you were able to build while volunteering and working here
1: i think over time as i sort of grew up and matured a little Mm -hmm. um, i kind of started understanding people's different points of views of life Mm -hmm. Um, and instead of sometimes we tend to rush our lives all the time so we really have to take a step back here um even when we speak to our residents and stuff you know I have a tendency of sometimes thinking really quickly, Mm -hmm. um, or even walking quickly, and I actually had a resident look at me, he's like, are you racing today? And I'm like, (laughs) I'm not, right? So it's just one of those things that you have to slow down, um, just to make sure that, because this is their home, so we want to make sure that we're doing everything for them, Mm -hmm. right? Um, So patience is one of these things that continuously grows for me and stuff, and I'm always constantly challenged with it, Mm -hmm. um, because everything's always so fast-paced, but you gotta slow it down sometimes here. Right.
2: Yeah. yeah, so patients' uh, perspective and empathy too. You learn a lot here. So it's always good to get their perspective, to understand who they were before. Because we see them here, some of them are almost bedridden or not capable of talking or walking. But it's important to, for us, especially as workers, to know all about them and know al- at least. Somewhat, some key stories about who they were mm-hmm. for us to kind of really understand and I guess care more, right. you know what I mean? Right. And I think people got to do that more. Yeah. And that that's not just for the elderly. That's just for everyone it in, yeah, is. humanity, yeah, sure. which is obviously a problem around the world right now. Yeah. yeah. But
1: yeah. You know, one of the big things here is, we have a habit of forgetting that they're just people. And this is one of the things that we always try to teach, whether it's new staff, volunteers, the outside community coming in and, and everything else. Um, the residents are just people. So they, you know, they get older and we start forgetting things. Um, and then you start having the memory loss. But a lot of them have damaged brains as well, which for us, it's always It's so important for us to make sure that we're trying to be as understanding as possible of what their abilities are. And we want to focus on their abilities versus what they can't do anymore, right? So it's all these little things that you can come in and stuff. And, you know, Alex one day might not be able to dress himself fully, right? But... He could still maybe brush his hair and brush his teeth um, and still hold that brush and stuff and and help the PSWs with that assistance, but he might need assistance buttoning his shirt up, you know? So it's always focusing on what they can do. There's still people and trying to understand and put yourself in their shoes um, because this is their home as much as it can be, right? Mm -hmm. Mm Really awesome. There's a lot. There's a yeah. lot of skills that you actually learn here in long-term care that are pretty yeah. awesome. Yes, yeah,
2: so. and and it makes you feel good, and it makes you a better person too.
1: Mm-hmm. I yes. believe. you guys are saying it's
2: fulfilling. It, it can be fulfilling right. if you allow it to be fulfilling. Yeah. Yeah. If you look at it in a negative way, mm-hmm. it can be draining, mm-hmm. which a lot of which is very common in the nursing world. Mm-hmm. Is they, they feel drained because. It does like once again. She said, "Like it does take a lot of patience, um, and a lot of it takes a lot of energy out of your brain and your body mm-hmm. to to deal with these with certain situations, right. mm-hmm. like everything from being spit at to just wanting to get hugged." You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, and then if you're in a bad mood or if you're not feeling a certain way, and somebody's trying to hug you, that can even be tough. Right. Do you know what I mean? So, um, yeah, it's hard. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
3: Thank you for sharing that with us. Um, we're wondering, like, what kind of roles do the volunteers play in the nursing home? Like, and what type of, what is like the typical shift at at um at the nursing home as a volunteer? Mm-hmm.
1: Um, So like I said, when we have volunteers coming in here, the first thing that we do is we do the interview with them and it gives us the opportunity to kind of pull out people's personalities. I mean, people always hate interviews. So it's just really for myself and now my staff are actually leading the program for me just because I have other duties coming on. Um, But they get to see your personalities um, instead of just having those written questions and very generic questions that we ask you, but pretty much, you know, Tell us about yourself and what kind of things you're looking for. What are your interests? And what are you looking for at getting it from volunteering and stuff? Um, so once we get a feel for you, we try to fit you in where we think you're best suited. Um, but always our main thing is that you guys talk to us as volunteers and as students to make sure that we're meeting your needs. Because it's a give and take. It's a very... Volunteers and Alex can say the same thing. We can't function as a home without volunteers. Um, They are so valuable in this organization because there's so much that uh, volunteers do that we as staff can't do or may not have the time to do. So, you know, when we have volunteers and someone comes to me and says, you know, I really like to do craft programs and I'm good at painting and stuff, could I possibly do that? Absolutely. You want to lead? And we used to have a lady that came in. She'd go out and shop for all the supplies that she wanted to do her craft program. She'd think of what crafts to do with the residents. And my team was just there to assist her with bringing residents in and making sure that everyone could do the craft to their best of their abilities there. Um, we have other volunteers who are just here who are really, really shy. Um, and it takes time, right? they maybe they've never worked in long-term care or they're not used to, maybe this is the first time they've actually volunteered. Um, so I try to set them up with certain staff members that I know that, you know, might have a little bit more understanding working with certain individuals or can really, um, encourage and motivate them. Um, so it just depends on the personality. We've had maintenance volunteers before. Um, We've had uh, people work with the special events with us. Most most of them come to the recreation department um, and work with, you know, residents on one-to-one basis or in a larger group. But it really depends on people's personalities, how we sit. See them first and feel you out. And then when they come to us and say, you know, I'm getting more comfortable with this, maybe I'd like to actually go and visit residents on one-to-one basis. And that that's what we want to see, where the volunteers want to come to us and say, I've done this, I've gotten really comfortable, and now I'd like to take it to the next level where I don't have to have someone supervise me directly, but I can start the conversations with the residents. Mm -hmm.
2: So the roles
3: are
1: They are. Because, I mean, we have the typical roles and duties. Like someone can come in here and say if we have a tech shop that sells junk food basically to our residents <laughs> and to everyone else. Um, and so someone can open up the stores and make the sales there. Or we have people that can help us with, you know, going into residents' room to read to them. Um, if you like to do manicures, you can put nail polish on our residents and stuff um, or if you just want to go and sit outside with residents because sometimes they just want to sit with someone they might not want to talk to anyone but they just that companionship or human
2: interaction
1: exactly yeah. Yeah. Um, which is
2: hard for staff to do when they're working mm-hmm. so volunteers will give that mm-hmm. bit of human interaction which is needed
1: yeah or the hand massages hand massages are really great things so mm-hmm. it's just like Basically, anything that a volunteer would want to do. Um, obviously, if there's a volunteer that comes to me and says, you know, I really want to be a nurse, and is there a way that I can maybe work with a nurse at one point, I will connect you. You won't be able to do their actual duties, but maybe you'll be able to talk to them and find out, you know, what they took for education, why they chose long-term care, what they do here on a regular basis, see what they actually do and stuff, and then try to figure if that's something that you want to do here. But the sky's the limit. I mean... I think it's better that way than just saying that you're here and you're only going to do special events and that's it. It's more so you want to start doing special events with us and then eventually move to different levels. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, we actually have volunteers help us with palliative care. Not sure if you guys are aware of what palliative care, but it's end of life. So if residents who's near their end of life, it's not for everyone. So you wouldn't start a brand-new volunteer who has never experienced anything like this in that role because it can be a little scary and overwhelming. So, But we have volunteers who say, like, I'm interested in that. And, and, I mean, that's a very rewarding thing to do as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then also in terms of shifts and times, um, is it flexible for that too? So volunteers can come in for two-hour shifts or three-hour shifts? Yes. Is it varying?
1: It does. It does. And, and again, we try to be flexible with your hours. Um, and then we also give you certain duties like, you know, during mealtimes. It's one of the areas where we always need assistance because some of our residents can't fully feed themselves. So volunteers could be there to actually physically helping the resident eat. Or sometimes it's just, come on, Alex, here's your piece of toast. And then you put it on his arm or his hand and he eats and stuff, right? So... Um, instead of them not having any support there or having, you know, myself try to do two residents at once, we put one to one staff there, one to one volunteer that they can just fully encourage Alex or whoever needs help that day. Um so there's certain time frames where we say we really need volunteers this time. But then if you have school and you have you're going on holidays and life happens, then we are flexible with what needs. I mean, we have some volunteers that come here twice a week for five hours each time. And then other volunteers who come in once a month for an hour special event, you know. So it's your time that's more valuable than how often you come. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
3: Thank you very much. Um, So we were also wondering, so with all of these volunteers coming in and um, putting on all these Or helping out in all these different roles. Um, What do the seniors and the staff think of the volunteer efforts and um, how important is it that volunteers come here?
2: All right, so the seniors are obviously extremely happy because they have a fresh face and obviously, once again, they get human interaction on a different level, not just a worker speaking to them. about their job or their life. Um, volunteers usually generally get to get deeper into conversations with them and learn, let them reminisce about their lives. Cause usually as a volunteer, you're kind of curious of who this person is. Um, staff are obviously very happy to have volunteers because little things do help. Um, everything from portering to like, to feeding, to even just keeping company because there are some residents that have dementia or Alzheimer's and their brain is stuck on a a loop where they're always calling out for their husband or child or anything. And it can be pretty stressful as a worker listening to this loop kind of thing. So when a volunteer comes, it kind of throws them off a loop because they'll have someone there. They're not screaming out. They're like, So they'll say something and the volunteer will listen or even redirect their conversation or their train of thought. So then it becomes less stress-free for the worker. So, yeah, it's it's super valuable for pretty much everybody.
1: No, I mean, I can't stress how valuable the volunteers are here. I mean, and even students. I know you guys have to do sometimes placement hours and you have to choose a place and stuff, but... That being said, you're still giving the residents time that we can't necessarily do. Um, and I, the bottom line is that when residents do call out or, you know, they want to, want to go home because it's three o'clock and they probably, when they were younger and they had kids, you know, three o'clock comes, school's done, I gotta get home and make dinner and stuff, you know, so in their mind, they're living where they were, you know, 50, 60 years ago. Um, So when we have volunteers and we know that certain residents get to that point at specific times of the day, we can set a volunteer and say, here, maybe you just need to go outside with these individuals and sit with them and talk to them about what is home. Where did you live? You know, how long did you live there? Tell me about it and stuff. So just to kind of allow them to feel what they need to feel and then also try to distract them in a positive way. Mm
0: And then you might have more than one, but we kind of wanted to know a favorite moment that you've had while working here, um, including volunteers. With volunteers? Yes.
2: I would say just a volunteer coming in and just talking to a resident and seeing the resident cry because of joy, of like, you know, like somebody's actually, you know, they get very, very emotional and very happy that someone gets to sit down there and speak to them. So Mm -hmm. those are their favorite moments, I guess.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I have, uh, there's a lot of volunteers that I, we've worked with and stuff, but, um, I think one of the most rewarding times that I had a volunteer was this volunteer who came on and, She was quite shy. And she said that when she first started. She said, I'm an extremely shy person. It takes a while for me to get comfortable. It takes a while for me to start talking to people. So I said, that's fine. You know, like not everyone needs to be this outgoing, bubbly, in-your-face kind of person. Sometimes you can have those quieter personalities that will be very successful as well. Um, So she started um, her volunteer hours here with us. And then eventually, from that being shy individual, she came to me one day and said, you know, so-and-so really wants to go for a walk, and I know that you usually go walk with her. Um, do you mind if I take her? And, I mean, if you look at her growth from someone who was very shy, who needed direct supervision, who needed to be given direction all the time, not because she wasn't, maybe she w- didn't know how to do it, wouldn't do it, but she just wasn't comfortable with herself and her skills. And then for her to come to me and say, I want to do this independently, go off-site walk around the neighborhood with this resident, I mean, takes a lot for a person for growth. You know? Um, So that was pretty awesome for me to see in a volunteer to get to that point for her just to say, yeah, you know, I'll take my cell phones. And I mean, one of the things with me and stuff, I'm pretty Sticky and old school with this. I don't like it when volunteers take their cell phones, but I mean, that's one exception when you're going off site and something happens, um, and you need to go. Now, to take it further to that, I mean, so we, she took the resident out, um, and the resident actually, we had a little bit of an accident there. She called me and she was just so calm on the phone. (laughs) And I mean, it was just right down the road here. But still for a volunteer to get to that point, again, to take it to the next level, to say something's happened, to stay calm and just to take it in. And her focus was to keep the resident calm. She didn't even worry about herself. I mean, I know inside after I talked to her, she was, you know, hysterical and she was worried and she was okay. Did she do the right thing and stuff? But at that time, it was making sure that that resident was safe. Um, so that's for me, that was a pretty awesome experience to see with our volunteer, just get her to that point. She did it all on her own, you know? So, yeah.
3: Thanks for sharing. Awesome. So um, I know you mentioned a little bit right now that um, there really isn't, like, one particular type of applicant you're looking for, a type of volunteer you're looking for. Mm-hmm. Um, but we're wondering, like, What do you generally look for in a volunteering applicant? And what is the application process like to become a volunteer at the home?
1: So for volunteers, what we look for and stuff like one, one of the things is, There's a lot of residents here, right? So we have 192 residents. So sometimes those people that are high energy and want to be chatterboxes and stuff might not be the fit that I'm looking for, especially if I'm looking for a volunteer just to do friendly visits with our residents. Like I mentioned earlier, there's some residents who just want a companion might not want to have someone that's just talking and talking and talking the entire time but it's just someone to sit there with them and just to read a short story with them Um, and I mean anyone can read a short story to a resident or hold their hand or give them a hand massage and stuff or just take them outside so it really varies on what it is that we're looking for but for me it's always initiative you know, I do look for people. And I mean, it's the same thing when we're hiring new staff and everything else, too. We are looking for people that take initiative and interest in their placement here. Um, so if I see that you're interested in learning and wanting to do other duties and stuff, that feels great for me because I know that you're getting to know our residents here um, and you're wanting to provide, you know, more to them or hit a larger group of residents here um like again we've had some really really shy individuals here um and then we've had some volunteers who you know will dress up and they don't care what they look like when they're dancing and stuff and they're just there to make the residents happy so it's just a different personality but initiative is is the key thing for me because we can sort of support you in whatever else you need you don't need to be this bubbly person 100% all the time um, because there's some residents that might just want someone just to be there with them Um, it just depends on what it is that you're looking for Um, but again if you take initiative and you keep learning you keep wanting to grow and stuff and and to give more at the end of the day that's what I look for Um, yeah it's just a variety of things so for the interview process, again, you know, volunteers will fill out an application. There's an application on our website there. Um, or you can come in and pick one up here yourself. Um, or, I mean, if you email me, I can email it to you as well. So fill out the application, then we call you. It will now be my team members calling you guys to set up the interview. Um, and then we start doing that. Then we've moved on to some online education that you now have to do. It's now required... It's always been required. Um, it's part of the ministry requirements that we have to educate volunteers and anyone that we hire. So there's online education, then we do a face to face orientation, and we kind of go over more specific things about responsive behaviors. So I'm not sure if you guys are aware of what responsive behaviors are, if you've heard that terminology. Um, so when people come here, they could come here at any age. So, long-term care homes accept individuals 18 years old plus. So, you could have a fairly young individual living here with Alzheimer's, which is a memory, um, you know, memory issue that they have here. And their brain sometimes could be extremely damaged that they forget things, you know, that they have to eat. Little things that you and I normally do when we wake up. We wake up, we brush our teeth, we brush our hair, we put on our clothes, we have shower or whatever it is that we do if they're too far damaged they forget that they even have to get dressed or they have to wake up or maybe that they haven't slept all day and they they should sleep and they should eat and they should go to the bathroom and so forth so we kind of go more in depth with that with volunteers Um, also you know teaching them if you have a resident comes to you and says I want to go home I want to go home I want to go home how do you redirect that with them Um, or if you have someone that you know because, again, with the disease comes complications. They can be scared. And a lot of their responses to us is because they're scared because they don't know what's going on in their own environment. So they're responding based on what they think is the reality. So it's just more education with that uh, for volunteers because it can be a little scary coming in here and having someone go to you and say, you know, um, you're my daughter. Mm-hmm. I have residents here who think that I worked with them 60 years ago. So I just play along with them. You know, she'll always say, how is the girls doing? Have you met up with them lately, you know? Um, so how do you respond to them? You don't say to them, this isn't your home, because that could be a scary thing for them. So how do you respond to them when they say, I want to go home, instead of saying, you are home? Mm-hmm. Or I've lost my purse. Well, you don't need your purse. Mm-hmm. We, you have everything here for free. There's different ways to respond to them so that you are giving them the information and support that they need, but not reminding them that, you know, they don't know what they don't know, right? So um, so those are the three things that we kind of go through with them and stuff. Um, and like I said, it's usually grade nines where I start taking volunteers, Um some grade nines may not fit the criteria, um, but I've also taken younger students as well with with them because the parents has actually come in and volunteered with us, and they bring in their kid, which, I mean, that just adds another layer of greatness to our home because the residents love young people, like kids and dogs and everything else too. So if you have, um, I've had a volunteer who's interested in bringing her dog here, um, so, I mean, that's something that the residents love. I mean, it's not only good for the residents, it's good for the staff as well. Dogs and kids, it's therapy. <laughs> well, maybe if you don't have one kids and stuff. Uh,
2: I, got, I got four kids. But yeah, they
1: are, they are exactly. therapy. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's very therapeutic, so. Yeah.
3: Well, thank you so much, Glynis and Alex, for coming to meet with us today and for sharing with us your perspective of the work that volunteers do here. And um, we hope that the listeners at home can take away a bit of of insight regarding volunteering opportunities at long term care homes. And hopefully this will encourage more people to come and sign up as a volunteer. Um, Once again, we thank you very much, and uh, we also want to thank the viewers at home for tuning in to our very first podcast.